reality is we've gone from an average football team to a good football team to a great football team, and we've worked really hard to do those things, but we're not an elite football team yet. We are going to find a way to get from being a great program, which we are, just so everybody's crystal clear, we're a great program. We lost to an elite program, and we're that close. We have gotten comfortable being great. We will no longer be comfortable being great. We're going to learn from this. We're going to grow from this. And we're going to find a way to take that next step as a program because we've been knocking at the door long enough. And it's my job as the head coach. I'm ultimately responsible for all of it. I give you my word. We are going to find a way to take the next step. Welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. It is October 1st, Monday, about 48 hours after the end of the game, and everything sucks. The world is ending. The sky is falling. Your whole family has died. At least that's what you think if you look at Twitter. Um, I am your host, Chris Hankin, joined as always by my host, Pat Colicchio, and this sucks. It's our first, first sad episode, but like I said, we have about 48 hours removed, some time to reflect think about it look back on it give me your give me your overall feel right now yeah i mean it's a game that we should have won uh obviously it's it's hard to refute that but you also you got to give credit where credit's due to ohio state coming in coming into beaver stadium and pulling out a win um that can't be overstated that they did this on the road so you can't totally say that we blew this game you you know and they we did in part blow this game, but they also in part deserve this win. Yeah, and not only on the road. Um, all-time attendance record, I believe, 110 and change, 1,000 people. Um, the stadium looked absolutely like electric. Or yeah, almost 111, right? So we have a new hashtag, 107K strong. Throw that shit out the window. Uh, 110, that's a new standard, man. Uh, that stadium looked amazing. I talked to a couple of friends who were there. They said it was just absolutely insane. Um, and yeah, it, it hurts because, like you said, it's a game we should have won. And, and I think... We need to start with the one thing that literally everyone is talking about, and it's that fourth down, fourth and five, our last offensive play of the game. I, I want to hear your opinion first before I rant, because I could rant for a while. What's what's your take on it? Fourth yeah, I mean, five. it was a terrible play call. Um, you, The idea, just the general idea of calling a run on fourth and five, not great. Um, not because necessarily a run won't work, but you want to have the – option of a run or a pass usually. Yeah. You know, you, you want to call like a, an RPO and, or like, you know, a bootleg where he, the quarterback can take off or hit a receiver, kind of put pressure on the defense to make a decision. And even though, I mean, Trace had a really great running game, but we didn't get much out of the running backs through no fault of their own, through really great defense by Ohio State and very poor blocking by our offensive line. And it was just a bad call. It really was. I I think I can understand where uh, Franklin was trying to come from in, you know, maybe he saw a tendency on their defense and that this might take them by surprise. Yeah. It's, so, not, it's not the right time to do that. Yeah. So, so I agree with you. And it's funny because, I mean, in the past 48 hours, I've gone back and forth on this one. Immediate gut reaction as soon as it happens is, holy shit, that's an awful call. Why would you do that? Um and I think you're still you're still allowed to have that opinion if you want, right? We're we're not expert play callers. We don't know what he saw. But my problem is the Twitter mob, even today, it's Monday, we're two days after the game, saying that's the reason we lost the game. 
That's the reason that everything went to shit. Franklin should be fired. Can't believe what he was thinking. I mean, you just, you can't say that because if that play works and, and I, I'm going to do like a, a video breakdown on this play because I saw a couple people posting some different angles of it and you kind of, you can kind of see what they were going for. I, I still don't agree with the play call, but I, I, I get a little bit of a, okay, maybe it could have worked and I, I get what they were trying to do. You can't say that though, because if it worked, if it worked, genius. 99% of those people are, oh my God, he's a genius. He outsmarted Urban Meyer. I can't believe yeah. it. Who's, who's got the guts to call Ron on fourth and five? Exactly. Yeah. And there will be a very small minority, probably us, saying, holy shit, that was a terrible call. Thank God it worked. Kind of like uh, Appalachian State when KJ took it out of the end zone. And we were like, yeah. not the best decision, but thank God he got 55 on it. Um, so it pisses me off that, that people see that and they hone in on that. Like, there are so many other reasons that we lost this game. So many other. And I won't spoil the episode because we're going to talk about the rest of them here. But you want to talk about poor tackling. You want to talk about red zone efficiency. You want to talk about the lion package not working. Like you can pick any moment in the game prior to that as to reasons we didn't finish and we didn't win. And it's just, it pisses me off because that's sort of, uh, and we've talked about this. We're not experts, but I think we pay attention a little bit more to the game than maybe an average fan. That's the point. It's just the, the noise that you hear of like, People who don't really understand what four quarters of football is about and just look at one play and boil it down to that. And I don't know. That just it really, really irks me. And I'm yeah, happy I mean, I'm happy you had that answer because if not, I was very ready to argue with you. <laughs> no, I and I I don't know if you want me to get into my opinions on the coaching in this game now or if you want me to wait until like good, bad, ugly. What do you think? Up to you. Well, you know what? Let's let's jump into it. I think we'll we'll maybe we'll do something a little different. Maybe we'll do good, bad, ugly now and then awards after because okay. I don't think the awards are going to be super shocking this week for who our who our lions are. At least there's yeah. two choices. Um, Lamb maybe a little bit, but let, let's start with the good, bad, ugly. The, the, listen, this there are a lot of positives to take out of this game, and again, that's what we're going to try to do here. Is we're going to try to be unbiased. We're going to try to give it to you straight, and, and people are going to tell you that the sky is falling, and, and our season is over, and our program sucks, and we need to move on from Franklin. There's a lot of good to take out of this game. There is. Give me your give me one of your goods to start us off. Obviously, Trace McSorley. 286 yards in the air with two touchdowns and rushed for 175 yards. I like I I just fucking love this kid. He's he's the greatest quarterback in Penn State history. Um and I he's just done so much for the program. The the guy's just the fucking best. And also on top of that, I thought our defense actually played a really stellar game. Really amazing first half. Um our defense played beyond their capability in the first half what is what I thought it really came down to. And then they came back down to earth in the second half, but it's not like they played horribly at any point. I mean, there were a couple, you know, there were a couple plays that were really bad, like the big screen pass, the oh, pass that went for big yard don't remind big me. last touchdown. Yes. But overall our defense, I mean, our defense held Ohio state, one of the best teams in the country, definitely one of the best offensive teams in the country mm-hmm. to 27 points. I will guarantee you that's going to be the fewest points they score all regular season. I completely agree. And I think you said it a really good way there that the defense played, would you say above their capability? Beyond their capability. Beyond. I think that's a really good way to say it. Cause I saw a lot of people, uh, even at the bar, we were, we were at the parlor in Hollywood and a lot of people saying the defense is finally clicking. This is how the defense should look. And if the defense looks that way every week, we're unstoppable. Like I think they were, beyond what their mean will be or their average will be. Yeah. And kudos to that, man. Kudos to Brent Pry. Kudos to that deep line. Kudos to the, the the secondary. I mean, Haskins couldn't complete a pass downfield. Like, they played insane. 
Yeah, and what, what's the guy's name from the Ohio State podcast? Jake? Jake, yep. Jake. I don't know if Jake listens. Um, he certainly knows a lot more about Ohio State football than I do. But I didn't think Ohio State's offense looked bad in the first half. I think just Penn State's defense played way over its own head. Because it's to me, it, they had a couple of drops. That was really the only thing that looked bad for them in the first half, though not nearly as many drops as Penn State had. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but, I mean, Haskins' throws were mostly on point. Like, our defensive backs were just really sticking with their receivers, and we were getting good pressure. I, I didn't think Ohio State played a sloppy first half. I, again, I just think Penn State's defense played so much better than they ever have. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and Well, maybe not completely, because I do think Haskins was flustered. I think the defensive line and the pressure got to him in a way that he hasn't seen before, and that was one of our keys to the game in, in our preview. Um, and Jake said the same thing from, from the Ohio State, the Urban Renewal podcast. I mean, I, I rewatched part of the game today, so I couldn't. I didn't have time to rewatch the full one, but I watched like a condensed version on YouTube. I didn't see a single pass travel more than twelve yards in the air. I mean, he just he looked bad when he was trying to throw downfield, and we'll get to the screens and everything else later. It was one of the first plays of the game. He hits a guy uh, on the right sideline for like nine or ten, and then the big one to Benjamin Victor. Uh, you know, one of the touchdowns late that went, I think it was like 12 or 13 in the air. Everything else, he was missing. And, and, and yeah, there were a couple of drops, but when he missed, it was ugly, man. He was airmailing them. He was just short throwing. Um, Those were his longer passes. And I, I will say, I actually, that's, that's a good point. Um, with, with his longer passes, he wasn't on target. But he, like, you saw him, like, regular passes, you know, from the 5 to 12-yard range. He was pretty on point, which for, uh, you know, a first-year starter in a whiteout game, that's yeah. where the most people get done. Yeah, and and here's the thing. He's he's the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, which I will get to later because I think that's fucking disgraceful. Um, but here's the stat that, that one of the, somebody pointed out. Um, on his screen passes, Haskins was 11 for 12, 157 yards, and two touchdowns. On non-screen plays, 11 of 27 for 113 yards. And a lot of those yards came after the catch. Like I said, his, his skill players were really bailing him out. So... I agree that the defense played way way beyond their potential, and, and hopefully that is their full potential, and we get to 85% of that for the first three quarters because I thought it was beautiful. Um, but I think it was what they were doing that really kind of muddied that Ohio State offense. I mean, just watching the condensed version of the game, I couldn't believe how many times I was just seeing the Ohio State punter back out there. It was, it was really impressive. Um, all right, so I'm going to get into uh, one of my goods, and I'm actually going to go off the field for a minute. We talked about that that environment. 175 plus recruits were in the house, which I don't even know if I, I, I saw that. I was like, no, that's got to be a mistake. And I saw a couple of people report it. 175 recruits on the sideline, in the stands, watching that game. I mean, that's got to be a good takeaway for the program. And you look at Franklin's post game presser, we'll probably get some of the audio in here. Um, the dude was absolutely fired up. Like, I think recruits left that game with a. Holy shit, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Sucks that Penn State didn't win, but man, yeah, I would kill to be a part of here. Yeah, and, we and I picked up a recruit, uh, a commit from it. Yeah, got one today. Uh, Brenton Strange is his yeah, name, which is already moving up on the all time names list for me. Like Brenton him. Strange. Um, yeah, he was there, and I think there's a couple Penn State others. getting some strange. <laughs> I think there's a couple others that are going to come out of this. Um, I, it, it just, I think 
I can go on about this forever. Franklin's comments about being great, but not elite. Like he said all of the right things. I, I loved it. I mean, him yelling at the fan, I kind of loved. <laughs> not a lot of people did. I, um, I didn't because the fan was actually pretty respectful. I know. I know. And he was right. He was. He was. I, I love, let me let me say it this way. I loved that he was that passionate. Maybe not. I, the, I like the fact the that act. he, I like the fact that he owned up to it. Didn't try to like yep. brush it off and make an excuse. He was yep. just like, yeah, that was, it was really dumb. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I like think, I like Franklin. I do too, and, I, and that's what I'm saying. I think my good for this is I think what this game did for the program. Oh, a win would have done ten times more, sure, but still losing by one point, being that close, having that atmosphere, showing the nation that yeah, Penn State is for real. I think that did wonders for this program, and I, and I really do think we're about to take that next step. Um, what else you got for good? Uh, I got one more. KJ Hamler. Yeah. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll let you take it, but no, I, I actually have one other. I do. And and I'm going to keep calling back to this. This is one. I don't get a lot of predictions, right? But one pat on the back for me. When we, we saw that first depth chart, I was so excited that he was going to get his chance to shine. And he has, um, he's, he's the big 10, uh, freshman of the week. He's the Paul Hornug versatile guy award. He, he got all kinds of stuff. Four receptions, 138 yards, no bigger than that 93 yard slant. The kid has wheels. I mean, good ball by Trace to get it out in front of him, give him some, give him a chance to make a play, and he just does the rest. I mean, those guys from Ohio State, I think there were three guys around him, were not far off, and he just left them in the dust. And it is, it's fun to watch this kid. Yeah, I mean, I I was going off about that play to anyone who would listen to me at the bar about how you you don't see people make that play um, on, on a slant route. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it was a six seven yard route going 93 yards, essentially without a mistake from the defense. Because yeah. if they didn't play that wrong, they were they were guys there, and he just did it. Like, the only guys you'll ever see make a play like that, I would tell everybody, were like Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Because not only the speed, but just the perfect route. Yep. And to basically just catch not, not a single, like, false step between the catch and the run, everything about that play was perfect yeah it was beautiful um his catch at the end i don't remember if it was the last drive second last drive when he got drilled really nice catch to get open make an adjustment on the ball we can talk about this one maybe in one of the segments or you know screw it we'll talk about it right now the the hit on him it looked really scary in real time he went down he wasn't moving i haven't heard anything and and franklin's not going to talk about injuries but i really hope he's okay you look at it on the replay I don't know what happened because like there wasn't a ton of like helmet to helmet contact. It didn't look like, it didn't look like he hit him at a weird angle. So I don't know. Maybe he just got something popped. I don't know. But well, I mean, you, you can get a concussion without being hit in the head. Yeah. Um, I think they said it's a, like, I might've read something earlier. There's like, like the, a neck strain maybe. Did yeah, I read that right? Um, from the way I, a few people have explained it to me, essentially a concussion can often happen if you, you're moving really quickly and your body stops extremely abruptly, mm. your head will hit against the wall of your own skull. Interesting. And so like, you can get hit right in the stomach if you're running fast enough and get a concussion. Wow. And hey, KJ runs really fast, so it's possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think the defender got called for targeting, whether or not it's right. Was I, that the third targeting penalty in that game? At least the second, because one of our guys got uh, got ejected, right? Antonio yeah. Shelton. And I think, and one, I think, there was another Ohio State kid who got ejected for targeting. It's possible. And yeah. it was a really horrible call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shit, I don't remember who it was. But, yeah, there were a couple of targeting calls. Um, but back to KJ. We'll get into targeting. Um, KJ's electric. He's, I mean, 
he's he's the Tyreek Hill type. He's he's a guy who you get him the ball, he's going to do some fun things. Uh, and I thought he did well in the return game too. Um, I'll jump to it later. DeAndre did not have the best return game of his career. Um, um, I hope it's the worst. Yeah, it's, it's in it's in my bad. So I'll get there in a second. But KJ did did okay in in kick returns, and he had one punt return. So KJ, fucking man, I love this kid, and I really hope he's okay health wise after that hit. Uh, the one other good that I was going to have, and then we'll jump to bad. Um, was actually on the defense. And we talked earlier about how they played way above their potential. They were, you know, just really, really shutting Ohio State down. What I saw rewatching today that I haven't seen really at all this season was just absolute gang tackling. There were four or five plays where there were six, seven, eight blue jerseys on the guys. There was one on Dobbins in the backfield. Uh, there was one on one of the receivers. There was one on Haskins where they almost sacked and there were three guys led right into another swarm of four. I mean, it just looked like anywhere the ball was, there were a handful of blue jerseys. And yeah. it, you just, you have to play that way. Like if you want to shut down this kind of offense, you have to have 11 guys run at the ball and they did it. And it was awesome. Yeah. And I, I will say our defensive line played their smartest game of the season. I've been going off for a few weeks about yep. the way that they, uh, you know, sort of rush into the backfield without looking this week, man, they didn't do that. They played extremely intelligently. I was very happy to see it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a shame that we did so many good things and couldn't pull out a victory. Yeah, uh, only one sack, half Windsor, half Mike Parsons, but four QB hurries. Uh, and, and like I said, they were just even even <clears throat> tackles for loss we had. Let's see, we had five tackles for loss. Like Dobbins, when he would get the ball in the backfield, it was like Givens and Windsor were on him like fucking white on rice, man. It was, it was something that we haven't seen before, and we need to be able to build on that. Uh, to, to continue this season and, and come out as good as we can. So probably some other goods, but that, that's the most of it. So let's jump into the bad, um, bad and ugly. We're going to have some things to talk about here, but we'll try to keep it. We'll try to keep it somewhat uh, in line. Give me, give me one of your bads to start. Punting. Mm, okay. A really bad game. Um, only averaged 39 yards a punt. And that's helped with a 53 yard punt. He just didn't look good. I know. I was I was gonna avoid this because you know he's my boy. I know. Um, but it's true. The first one, the first one, he sailed out of bounds at like the twenty, um, which was only like a thirty yard punt. Even the announcers were like, "Oh, and there's a oh, that's a bad punt. Oh, that's a really bad punt." I'm like, "Shit." Um, his second one was not good either. He had he had the one good one that he pinned him on like the four, and then they drove ninety six yards on us. So it didn't matter. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that I talked about in the preview as a weapon, and we were gonna see him more, and he's. You know, so valuable because he can change field position and 39 yards on punts when you know he's capable of 55 plus. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no two ways about it. Um, I'm trying to decide like what my bad versus ugly because I think anything that I'm going to talk about right now is kind of ugly. So the fumble. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You want to take that one? Because. That I mean, that couldn't have happened at a worse time. Well, so um, if you didn't watch the game, and if you didn't, why are you listening to this podcast? But if you don't remember, uh, we're up 13 nothing. a little over two minutes left in the first half. Miles gets popped, and I got to say, it wasn't even really a good hit. Like, it wasn't helmet, helmet on ball. It was like the shoulder kind of grazed him, and the hand came in. Ball pops right out. Ohio State falls on it, and they're in the red zone. First play. First That's play of the drive. Going into half up 13-7 with that kind of momentum swing versus potentially 20-7, to 16-7, to even, or, or I'm sorry, 20-0, to 16-0, to even 13-0. Even if we just stay 13-0, yeah. 
I think the game is completely different. Um, that's well, yeah, I mean, just not to mention that's seven less points that they score. Yeah. yeah. Just in general, in a game mm-hmm. where they win by one. Yep. That's, yeah. uh, that's not how you Pretty draw it deal. That's not how you draw <laughs> it I believe the way to win games is you score more opponent, more points than your opponent does, and that didn't help. Um, yeah, it was ugly. It, it was could not have come at a worse time. Um, and, and, I mean, I'll segue there into just the run game with Miles. Um, and I don't really blame Miles on this. They, they were prepared to shut him down, and, and they this did. This was the, the offensive line played like dog shit. You think? Horrible. Four, okay. four sacks. Um and we're talking about a running back in Miles Sanders that is very good at getting through the line through tackles with contact to the second level. And but ever he was met at near the line by more than one player almost every time he had the ball. Yeah. Almost every time. Not I very rare to see one of our linemen get to that second level and making blocks. No, that's it. And, and the, the reason I act, like acted shocked on that one, I think, is just because – not because I don't think they had a bad game, but I, I think I was probably looking at so many of the other areas that that just kind of slipped me. But, yeah, four sacks. I didn't realize we actually gave up that many. Um, yeah, and, I mean, you might look at, like, Trace's stats, so 175 rush yards, and think, well, how could the – you know, one player gets 175 rush yards. How could the offensive line have played poorly? He Man, scrambles. Yes. Yeah. A lot of those were scrambles. A lot of those were, you know – misdirection plays sure where it's you know kind of us fooling ohio state more than really great blocking yeah and and yeah i I can't refute that uh miles 16 carries for 43 yards so that puts him at a 2.7 average when he's averaging seven on the year his long is only 12 and that's on a play that killed me too if you remember it's a third and 13 and we call a run which again if you want to question play calling why are we doing that and he slips like a yard short again that stalled that drive um, yeah, it just, it wasn't working for him. One thing that, that stuck out to me, cause he's done this a couple times. And, and before I say this, this is not a knock on miles. I actually really like this. So please don't get it misconstrued. It was, I think the swing pass, which, you know, I hate, but whatever, you got to try to get him the ball in space. It's hey, I worked for Ohio state, right? Swing pass to the right. And like you said, he's met behind the line and just gets drilled. And what he does, like, I, I think this is when he's just pissed off, like, cause he doesn't show up a lot of emotion. He'll like get hit and he'll just sit there for like half a second longer than like he normally will. He like sits there, he tosses the ball to the ref while he's on the ground, and it's almost like he's like collecting himself, like this sucks. Yeah. Okay, back to the next one. And it's I mean it, it sucks that he couldn't get going because yeah, I mean you saw what he did last week, two hundred yards, right? I think if he I mean, even if he's averaging three yards a carry, four yards a carry, as opposed to the seven that he's been doing on this year. That's a huge factor that we just we couldn't lean on. Yeah, I'm, I'll also I'll get into the ugly on is another reason they had a bad game, but I'll, I'll get into shortly. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So the run game sucked. Uh, Tommy Stevens three for negative twelve. The lion package just didn't work. Um, if this is your ugly and I'm stealing it, I apologize. Nope. But the the lion it was much much awaited. We wanted to see Tommy, which is. <clears throat> I'm okay with them trying it in the beginning because, yeah, you want to establish some dominance. You want to catch some sweep, and you've never seen him before. But after it didn't work like the first two times, and then they threw that like uh, backwards screen to him that lost 13. He didn't come back in for the rest of the game, so good call on that. But I actually disagree with you. I wish they had kept using him. Yeah? Yeah. Why so? What do you think? I'll get into it in a little bit. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, there's a lot more on bad, but I think I'm going to save mine. We're going to jump into ugly because I think anything anything we're going to talk about that bad, that's bad at this point falls into that category of ugly. So start it off. What's, uh, what's your ugly? 
Uh, the ugliest thing about this game is coaching play calling. Um, so I'll, I'll start with Tommy Stevens. Um, I, I get that it wasn't working, but if you look at the way our offense was, we weren't exactly rolling in the first half. We were scoring some points. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I, I, Ohio State, especially with the line package, they had to respect different options. And they had to like look at different wrinkles in our offense, be prepared for different things. Okay. Um, as the game wore on, we got extremely one-dimensional. I, I can, I mean, how many times did we pass the ball on first down? Almost never. Yeah. Um, and the, a big reason that Miles Sanders had such a bad game was because he was not set up for success at all by his coaches. Uh, his coach, Ricky Ronnie and James Franklin, are are the reason. Along, you know, along with the offensive line, but I think the bigger reason is actually Franklin and Ronnie are the reason that Miles Sanders had a bad game. Um, Ohio State was ready for him to run the ball every time he got it because they knew we were going to run the ball. Yeah. Uh, because we, we didn't make them respect the pass on first down ever. Um, we didn't keep trotting out Tommy Stevens to make them respect another run option. Okay. Um, it, everything was just extremely predictable. The, the fact, I'm here's the thing: James Franklin lost this game for us. He did, and he admitted and it. Not on that one play, and he admitted only, it. He lost this game for us. There's no doubt about it. However, he's still a good coach. Okay. Yes. He Thank lost you. this game. He has lost games for us in the past. However, this program is in disarray without him. I completely agree. He is still a very good, borderline great coach, I think. He has his miscues. Um, I, 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 I hope that we'll see them start to disappear as years go on. You got to remember, this is only what, his fourth year here? Yes. I mean, um, yeah, fourth. Yeah. yeah. And record's been... You know, pretty good progression over four years. Um, I mean, pe- people love to talk about how great of a coach Jim Harbaugh is. James Franklin's got a better record since coming here than Jim Harbaugh does. Yeah, and I think he's I think he's transcended this program far more than Harbaugh has. Like Michigan has yeah. wins and losses aside, like they haven't lighted up recruiting. They haven't completely changed you know their culture, so to say. And maybe culture is not the right word to use, but you know what I mean. Like just the the aura of the program, yeah. like. People aren't scared of Michigan right now. Oh, and by, by the way, for all you Penn State fans out there who love Trace McSorley, without James Franklin, there is no Trace McSorley at Penn State. Preach. And Preach. Listen, the guy made mistakes. He is the reason we lost this game. But he's also the reason that we have 10 wins at all at this point in our program history. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like I, I don't want to beat the dead horse, but I am so with you on that because – Again, people are literally tweeting fire Franklin, which is absurd. They're idiots. If you if you watched his post game press conference, this is the most emotion we've ever seen out of him, and it's good emotion. Like he's pissed off for very good reason. When he said at the end of the press conference, he goes, "You guys thought I was a psychopath in the past. Just wait." Like I truly believe him when he says, "We're going to take this from great to elite, and that's on me, and I will do whatever it takes to get us there." Because he's done it. Like yeah, the first two years sucked, and then uh, you can say it was. Joe Moore had all you want. And yes, of course, Moorhead took us places. Saquon took us places, but Franklin is the CEO Who of all this. Who hires those people? Yes, exactly. Franklin's the CEO of all this. Trace McSorley was a three-star that most people wanted to play safety. We've seen him lay the wood. Oh, and by the way, he was he was a commit to Vanderbilt. 
Yes, he was. We've seen him lay the wood on some of those bad interceptions, but no one believed in him as a quarterback. And Heisman hype or not, if you don't want this guy, as soon as we got the ball back with two minutes left, I was like, yep, Trace is going to do it again. As did everyone, and as should everyone, because he's that good. It didn't work, but you got to believe in him. So I I agree with you. And there's so many of these dumb Penn State fans in the the Twitterverse and wherever who are are saying, yeah, Franklin's a great recruiter, but he can't do anything else. That's not true. It's not. I mean, first of all, I get that we haven't played the strongest schedule up to this point, but, you know, 26 points against Ohio State, not terrible. Um, I mean, beyond that, we've been averaging over 50 points a game. We had a, another high-powered offense last season that averaged probably close to 40 points a game. Yep. And a great bull win against, you know, a Washington team that, like, you know, the committee always loves. Yeah. And he's brought this program places not just because he's a recruiter, but because his players love him when they get there. They love the way he coaches. They love the way he motivates them. And he's taken this program and changed it for the better. Yeah, back-to-back. It's a better program than it was when he took it over. Back-to-back New Year's Year's Six Bowls. I always say New York Six. It's New Year's. Back-to-back with a very good chance to go to a third one straight. And we'll get to to the rest of the season outlook in a minute. Um, But, yes, I I think – Without him, we're in a very, very different situation. Um, a lot of people will make the comparisons to uh, Dabo at Clemson, where because his first two years there were not very good, and then he started building up these elite recruiting classes, started making the change, and now look at the past two years. Right, they have a national championship. They're always in the top three or four in the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah, we could talk about James Franklin yeah, forever. The fact matter is uh, James Franklin and Ricky Ronnie probably to a close. And it's going to be close between the two of them because he was doing the majority of the play calling. Yeah. They, you, you lost this game for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you're still our guy. Yes. You're still our coach. We still love you and we want you here. This program is nowhere without you right now. Yep. And I loved that most of the players who were on Twitter after the game and the day after we're all tweeting that. KJ had one like, all you out here talking about my coach can chill with that. Like, we win together, we lose together. Um, pretty much every player that tweeted had something along that line. And it's, yeah, it's, it sucks. I mean, are we pissed in the moment? And we, we hate that call, of course. But again, this is toe-to-toe with an elite program. We lose by one point for the second year in a row. It fucking sucks. But we're close. Um, you want to talk about play calling, a couple other, uh, a couple other ones. Um, the, the decision to go for, go for two. Um, I, I don't hate the decision. The play just never had a shot. It was that little shovel pass to uh, Hippenhammer, I think. Um, I don't hate, I don't hate the decision. If you take the one, then we're looking at potentially a tie on into overtime or Ohio state goes for two ballsy as fuck and wins the game. I don't hate the decision or loses. Um, I don't hate the decision to go for two there to get to 28 instead of 27. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. Um, I I have a feeling you're going to get into the kicking game. Is that right? Yeah. So some of those decisions on when to kick, when to punt, when to go for it, there, there were a lot of them there. Um, before we get to that, I'm going to give one of my uglies, and and it's the tackling. Um, the second half tackling. Even the fourth quarter. I mean, third quarter wasn't awful. Maybe it was. But as much as I loved the gang tackling in the first half, the second half looked like we just lost all of our fundamentals. Like, they started doing those screen passes. And honestly, I'll give you the first two, three, four of them to be, like, surprised. You got to adjust. But when they start doing it, every play – if they get three, four yards off those screen plays every time, I'm okay with that. Because guess what? They're going to miss and you're going to stop them. But when they're chunking 10, 15, 20, 30, and getting touchdowns off them, I'm not going to call anyone out just yet because that's going to be my lion. But there were some wide open missed tackles 
that should have been potentially game saving. And we just looked ugly. So I, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's a Brent Pry thing, you know, kind of giving them the direction to contain, you know, bend, don't break. So people were trying not to go for the big hit. I don't, I don't know, but it was like we lost all of our fundamentals and just couldn't tackle in the second half. Yeah, it would, that's a good point. I, I don't have much else to add there. Yeah, it's just, it's, it was ugly. That's all it was. To be honest, so Ohio State's running game really was not super impressive. No. They put up 119 yards, which is pretty good. Nothing crazy, but they're only averaged 3.2 yards per carry. So it's not like you have to keep stacking the box and, you know, like you, you can't have guys spread out trying to defend this. It, it, yeah, it should, JK, should have been better. It should JK have been Dobbins, better. 57 yards rushing, Mike Weber, 51. This was the two-headed monster that we were going to have to worry about, and we contained them. We, we really did. It, it came down to the screen passes at the end. Um, like I said, Haskins didn't have much other than those, and his receivers made the plays. Um, our, our defense did not. Their receivers and running backs did, and, and that was the difference down the stretch there. Um, all right, what else you got for Ugly. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go right into the kicking game. Um, so missed field goal, obviously. Yep. If that doesn't happen, win. Um, that was a, let's see. And, and you know what pisses me off too? And I'm sorry I cut you off. That's very rude. No, go for it. Missed field goal is from 46. It was a long field goal. I hate, hate, hate when people make the excuse of, well, it was a long field goal when it had the distance. If it has the distance and you just hook it left, that's on you. Yeah, you like, just hook it left. If you come up short... Okay, maybe you shouldn't have tried for that long because he didn't have the leg. But, like, he had, he had it, and it hooked left. So, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, and I, I kind of went on Twitter and went off about how we could have scored, like, nine extra points and we had a better kicker. It's probably after a couple of Lagunistas. Yeah, lo- looking back at the game, <laughs> I totally exaggerated. Um, I mean, maybe six, three to maybe six. Um, I, 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 in my mind, like the times we punted or went for it were a lot closer than they ended up being. They would have been like borderline 50-yard field goals, yep. which you can't expect in college. Um, so I, I, I do take that back a little bit. Yeah, and it's funny because it was the end of the game. And again, we, we had a couple of adult sodas uh, and you gave me that take. And I remember like I went out after the fact and we were – kind of just shooting the shit with some friends. And I, I brought that up. I was like, man, if we have a competent kicker. I think I like said your words word for word. And I believed it so much. And like some of the other guys were like, come on, man, that's a long one. I was like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Pat said it. Yeah. And, I was, uh, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, it's still ugly because we would have won the game. If we made yeah. If you make that 46, it, it's a win. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I really exaggerated that. Yeah. Cause, and, and, and Franklin talked about that is, you know, there, there were times where it was, you know, there was a time fourth and one, we went for it where we might've been in range, but it was a long one. The last play of the game would have been like a 55 to 60. Like you're not going to put a true freshman kicker in that no. situation. So it sucked. It was ugly. Um, he made two of them, which was great. Uh, made his extra points. I, I don't blame I don't blame Pinnaker for the loss. Like a little bit, I do because again, I, he had the distance. He just hooked it. And maybe that's an awful take, but that's like how my mind works. It's like you have the distance. If you are just a little bit more accurate, you're you're kind yeah. of right because they you know they have to give it a little more uh, a little more power yeah. that is going to reduce their accuracy. But I mean, you're also not wrong. Yeah. So. Kicking game's a little bit ugly. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much other that we could we could harp on like that, where it's not terrible, but it, it was annoying. And the last one that I'll do here is is the drops. Um, 
You mentioned it before. I think, honestly, that was a bigger deal than the kicking. Yeah. So back. Jawan had a drop on the opening drive that kind of stalled that drive. It was ugly. And it was, again, it was in his hands and he just missed. I think it was like a crossing route over the middle. He made up for it with one of the most beautiful catches oh I have ever seen in my life. And I remember I, I saw that and I looked around to anyone who would listen to me at the bar and I said, he is forgiven for everything. It, w- it was that good. I mean, that was... I'll go on record and say I think it was better than the Odell catch, but Ooh. I mean it's a hot take, but <laughs> it was a really fucking nice catch. Um, yeah, I mean, if anything, it frustrates me more that he can make that catch, but not the easy one catch. Yeah, and he was jacked up after it too. He was like, "Let's go!" I was like, "This is going to be the turning point." Not quite. Um, so he has that one. I just um, I, I can't understand him, man. Like, it, he has got so much potential. He's Jekyll and Hyde, man. But yeah, sometimes he just disappears. He makes these bad drops. Can make these incredible catches. Like yep. clearly has incredible hands. I I don't know if it's a focus thing that's going on with him right now. It's got to be mental. Confidence thing. Yeah, maybe confidence. Yeah, it's got to be some sort of mental. Something's because, going on. Like you said, he has a physical tool. So he had another drop in the second. This one was slightly behind him, and you always hear the announcer say that. Oh, not the best throw, but dude, it's in your hands. Catch the ball. Oh yeah. no, that was catchable. Yeah, very catchable. Um, so he had that one. Uh, there was a third and seven where Trace scrambles, gets out, and throws one to Hippenhammer. Another drop, and it would have been a first down near the 50. Um, and this one, too. Hip, hip was – I'm going to call him Hip. I don't know if his friends do, but it sounds good to me. Hip was – he was kind of falling down a I little bit. Call him Hammer. Oh, Hip – yeah, Hip and Hammer. It's just hammer. so good. So Hammer uh, – Hammer's too close to Hammer. Mac was falling a little bit. So, like, he was – he would have had to make a nice play, but still went pretty much right through his hands. Um you got to catch that on third and seven. Absolutely have to. Um, I'm reading through my notes. That's why it's a little sluggish here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just you've got a kid in Trace who's like just doing so much for th- this team in this game, and he just needs a little more support, man. Yeah, I mean, like, and the receivers are good enough to give it to him because you see some of the great plays they make. It's got to be more consistent, and you know, yeah. everyone drops the ball sometimes, it's especially gonna in college. But you're having guys drop the ball every week. Yeah. That's really unacceptable. Yeah. I, it's, and this is, this is a take I saw on Twitter that I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, it said everyone thought the biggest losses were going to be Moorhead and Saquon, but the biggest loss is actually Josh Gaddis, receivers coach that went to Alabama. I think, and I've said this on the podcast before, I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. The way that he coaches wide receivers, and, and he's like a big Twitter guy, and He's a little over the top on Twitter, but anytime there's like a good route, he'll he'll literally list out like keys to keys to the craft and he'll list out like head nod to the right, foot over here, body this. Like his attention to detail was so unbelievable. And like you said with the Jawan, if it's the focus, if it's the confidence, I don't know a whole lot about David Corley, our new wide receivers coach. I'm not knocking him, but I think no, 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 was good. I think Gaddis was that good that he made that unit just I mean, yeah, of course we had Deshaun and we had Godwin and we had Kasiki, but like the way he, he taught and coached them, I think, is irreplaceable, for lack of a better word. Um, so, yeah, drops are ugly. Overall, ugly, ugly, ugly. And, and the biggest thing for me is that this is now sort of a trend where we have a lead in a huge game in the fourth quarter. I saw a stat with, like, eight minutes to go. We were up 26-14. We had, like, a 90% win probability. It's fucking brutal. You look back to Ohio State last year. You look at the Rose Bowl the year before that. You look at some of the games early on in Franklin's career where we had a lead, we blew it. And somebody asked me this on Twitter today is, do you think 
the Ohio State defense finally kind of hunkered down and figured Penn State out, or do you think they got too conservative at the end? And my answer was it's a little bit of both. Like, we had some flashes. Um, the big throw to KJ where he got drilled, awesome. Uh, the last drive, that uh, seam up the middle to Fryermuth, who awesome game from him, that tight end. I think yeah. I think he's our guy at tight end at this point. Um, really nice play. Like, I don't think the offense was, like, dead and being super conservative. We were still taking shots, but – this has become our Achilles heels. You can't close out a game. And I don't think there's anything uglier, man. That's, that's the ultimate ugly. Yeah. It, that's, and that's cause it's such a, like, I, I'm trying to find a good word for what it is, but it's, it's hard to watch a team you like choke. It sucks. Because and I, it's the ultimate thing to make fun of in teams. Yes. Yeah, if, if we're Ohio State fans, hell, if we're Michigan fans, if we're if we're Rutgers fans at this point, we're like, ha-ha, look at Penn State, idiots. And we're just sitting there like – and I tweeted this out in probably a half-drunken stupor. Um, like, I love this team. I will always love this team, and it just sucks because I know that they played their hearts out. Like, you saw Trace. Like, the, the dude absolutely killed it. You saw KJ playing with his heart. Like, even everyone – even the guys who dropped balls, like, everyone is out there playing with their hearts out. We just – we didn't finish, man. That's – it's almost like, you know, when you're a kid and your parents are like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. It's like, yeah, I'm mad too, but I just, it, I'm just disappointed. You're disheartened, man. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really like just deflating. It is. And that's why we love this sport now, because literally every week matters. This, this was a playoff game. Like, and I mean, they said there's the highest rated game of the year, which duh, it should be. Um, it, it, this was a playoff game in a play, playoff atmosphere. I think this is the biggest game that we've played in the last couple of years. Um, and, and, Again, I am encouraged by the promise we saw, but disappointed because I know I know that that win could have been the start to an incredibly special season. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Um, all right, just to just to wrap up, and then we'll get into awards. A couple of things that, that we didn't talk about. Um, so, like I said, Fryermuth three catches for forty four. He had that big one in the last drive. He had the touchdown with the little uh, little bloop. Uh, it was a penalty, but he caught it anyway, which was yeah. great. Um, I think he's I think he's our guy, and. Um, you saw Nick Bowers was dressed but didn't do a whole lot. Danny Dalton hadn't played in a while. John Holland didn't get in really anything. I think Fryermuth is the tight end for now. Um, um, he, uh, he absolutely is. He's shown he can do it. There was a fourth and one play, the one that uh, the defense batted down on us. It was to him. It was like a little fake, and then Trace blooped it over, but the defense got it. Like They have the confidence in him. Um, he's a little bit older. Like I said, I think he's like a 20-year-old freshman somehow, but um, the, kid's, the kid's solid. I, I really like him. Um Defense, yeah, I'm not even, yeah, whatever. We've already gone through this. <laughs> uh, let's get to let's get to awards, and then we'll do uh, kind of rest of the season outlook here. So, Lion, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on, in my opinion. There's, there's, there's two, guys. two guys. So, you pick one. Trace and KJ. And I'll, yep, that's it. It's Trace, it's KJ. We don't need to tell you why. You that's it. it. You heard it. They're both fantastic. Uh, hope KJ's okay. I, I can't wait to see what Trace does the rest of the season. Um, this is uh, almost... It, his post game and, and even even uh, Franklin's is almost kind of uh, reminiscent of that, that famous Tebow post game where he was like, "This team will not lose another game," and I promise. And he went on that crazy, crazy rant. It's like, I hope that's what's instilled in these yeah. guys right now. Um, but yeah, so let's let's go to Lamb. Um, there's a lot to pick from. It's a tandem for me between okay. Franklin and Ronnie. All right, that's fair. Just, uh, Really, you know, aside from the obvious bad play calling that was, you know, apparent on the really big plays, I, I, it bothered me that we, the entire game, Ohio State didn't have to respect the pass on first down. Yeah. And 
you know, we, we ended up throwing a lot of pass attempts, but how many of those were on third and 10, third and 12, third and eight? Yeah. Because our first two plays were run, run. There's nothing more predictable in football than run, run, pass. Yeah. Um, and we were, I don't have the stat in front of me, but we were something like four of 16 for on third downs. Three that's of everything was third and long. And Ohio State wasn't much better if that's any consolation. I think it, I think we were like three for 16 and they were three for 17, something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, that, that sucks. Um, yeah, it's just, we, they, uh, there weren't enough wrinkles in, in the offense, you know? Yeah. They, they knew exactly what we were going to do on first down every time. And yeah. not only did it, did they not, have, you know, did it affect our ability to convert on third downs, it affected our ability to run the ball all game. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a four-quarter game. The, the plays that you run early yeah. set you up for plays you later. You can call a run play on third and two. You're not going to call many run plays on third and ten. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, my lamb, and this might be just because I have a personal grudge at this point, um, and it's not even a grudge. It's one of those, and we talked about this last time too, it's one of those, like, I'm so pissed because I know he can be so good. I'm going to go to John Reed again. Um, two plays in my mind, and, and I could pick on a lot of different people on the defense, so this isn't really an indictment on Reed. Again, it's just I think I, – not even I think. I know he has so much potential, and I want him to be that guy. Two plays in particular. One, uh, the K.J. Hill touchdown, uh, the last screenplay where they scored. If you watch that video, there's a, there's a lot of missed tackles. Um Unfortunately, it is now our Twitter avatar for a week because a bet is a bet. Shout out Jake Urban ah, Renewal. I had a really good picture of Trace ready too for his. It was like Trace, like kind of like a cocky smile. It's going to be a really good one. Um, but on that play, I forget who it is, but the first D-back gets blocked, which is fine. John Reed comes around the outside of that D-back, has like a straight on chance at tackling KJ Hill. Hill doesn't even make a move. Reed just like lays his body out, tries to maybe shoulder tackle him. I don't know. There was no attempt to wrap up and just whiffs. And as soon as like Reed. With a classic D-back tackle. Yeah. And as soon as Reed misses him, then KJ Hill, the receiver from Ohio State, takes like a little stutter step, breaks off for the touchdown. All you have to do in that moment. And again, I'm not, not a collegiate exactly defensive back. Exactly not what he did. I'm not a collegiate <laughs> defensive back. Break down. You have the sideline next to you. That's your, your best friend. Break down. Force him to the side and just get your arms around him. Because guess what? There's two or three other guys that if you hold him for Slow him up half for a second, two steps, half a second, we make it. And here's the thing: maybe they score anyway. I, I can't blame the whole game yeah. on one play. Maybe they score anyway, but that just absolutely killed me because I know he's better than that. Uh, and the other one, this one is more of a stretch, but it, it, this is kind of like the effort thing again. There was one where Haskins did take a shot deep. Uh, Reed was like a step or two deeper than the receiver. And the ball went over both of their heads, but Reed kind of threw his hands up. I felt like if he jumped, if he made a dive, he had a chance to pull it down. Again, that's just me on first look. I haven't looked at the replay. Maybe it was out of his reach, but it was just one of those things where he like flailed his arms almost to be like, look, I tried rather than actually trying. And I don't know, that just didn't sit with me well. So John Reed, I fucking love you. Please, please get back to form. You are my lamb this week. Fuck, I could, I could really get worked up on this episode. Um, I don't have a Big Ten ball or a Bozo of the Week. I couldn't watch anything. No, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't either. My, my Big Ten ball. I couldn't look at football after that game. My Big Ten ball is Trace McSorley. Um, Hell yeah. Penn State record 463 yards of offense in a game. Beats uh, Christian Hackenberg's Ireland effort. I think he had 450-something. Um, and going back to this, for, for Haskins to be named the Offensive Player of the Week when – 
He didn't win the game for them. The receivers and the running backs did. He did not have a great downfield passing game. And Trace just lit it the fuck up. Infuriates me. And I, and I get it. A Big Ten Player of the Week award means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Um, I think this is more like, you know, it's kind of Heisman campaign. Like, let's keep our guy in the front, right? Yeah. It, that just pisses me off. So Trace, Trace is the Big Ten baller. Um, I don't really have a bozo either, but I'm going to give it to Nebraska. They got murdered by Purdue. Nebraska is now 0-4. Dude, they're so bad. Really bad. So Nebraska, you're a bozo. Um, all right. We're at a 47-minute mark. Let's wrap up with season outlook. So I, I joked in the beginning, the sky is falling. Everything's dead. Um, there's still a lot of season left. What are your hopes, dreams, expectations for the rest of the season here? We got a bye week this week, and then we go, uh, we got Michigan State, and then we start a, a slate of some pretty tough games. Yeah, so the bye couldn't come at a better time uh, after a really, really emotional loss. We saw what happened last week when we came off an emotional loss and then went to Michigan State. Yeah. Three hour rain delay didn't help, but I guarantee you that kind of bitter taste led to part of that loss last year. Yeah, and so I, um, you know, all the things I've said about James Franklin losing this game for us, um, the guy's a great motivator, and his players will do anything for him. And I, I think that extra week to sort of recover from this and get you know get them back up, I think he he gets the job done coming into Michigan State. Um, then we've got I don't want to call it like a layup, but what should be not the hardest win against Indiana um, at home against Iowa. Always a tough team. The fact that it's at home, big plus for us. Yep. Um, then the, the two big ones for the rest of the season, Michigan-Wisconsin. Yeah. We're at Michigan in the big house. Now, I don't think it's any secret to anyone who really follows college football that compared to Beaver Stadium, the big house is a joke. Yeah, I agree. So They claim to be bigger, right? They, they can fit point, more people. Yeah. But so the, the, the field is so much quieter, though. Yeah. The, the way the stadium's designed, all the sound funnels out of the stadium, whereas Beaver Stadium at all – like goes right down to the field. Bozos. I, I, I've talked to people who have played on on, like on the field. The yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, you can't even hear the crowd. Wow. Um, Bozos. Yeah, yeah they're, they're bums. <laughs> big Ten bums. I like that. I like that. <laughs> big Ten big house bums. Yep. Um, I've, I've got a lot of confidence in I, – I, I think we went out the rest of the season. I do. As long as – as long as we play. Because, I mean, Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. Yes. You know, we just lost them by one point in a game that we could have slash should have won. I think that's going to be their closest game of the season. I think that's going to be our only loss of the season. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree with you with the bye coming at a good time. Um, need to get right physically, need to get right mentally, right? there's You take a day, and I, I did see a tweet too that they were like, uh, I don't know if they were practicing, but they were doing something on Sunday that they don't normally do. So he's already like yeah. changing mindset, like, hey, I we're not it. taking days off. Love it. Um, gives us time to get right physically, gives us time to get right mentally. I agree. And, and I said this, it's funny when I went on uh, Jake's podcast, the urban renewal in the beginning of the season, he asked me what my prediction was. And I said, 11 and one, there's going to be a loss, whether it's Ohio state, Wisconsin, Michigan, one of those games is going to be a loss. Well, guess what? We just had it. So we I need to we win recover. out. I think we went out. And and here's what I want. Our I, destiny is no longer solely in our hands. No. As, and, and, as far as, you know, yep. Big 10 championship, college yep. football playoff. Yep. However, if we go 11 and one with our only loss being a one point loss to Ohio state, if they win the Big Ten championship, I think it's very hard to keep us out of the playoff. And that's exactly where I was going, so thank you for that segue. Yeah, this season is not over. Um, getting into the Big Ten championship will be incredibly difficult. 
Although, Ohio State has to lose two games. Ohio State doesn't lose twice. I read a really good article today. Um, I don't remember where it was or else I'd shout them out. Maybe Onward State. I don't know. It was one, one of the Penn State mainstays. Mm-hmm. Um, and they broke down the two scenarios of kind of how we get into the playoff. Um, one of them being winning the Big Ten. Ohio State's not losing twice. I, I know crazy things can happen in college football. I know that, you know, anything can happen any given Saturday. It's not happening. They're not going to lose twice. The other way that we can still get into the Big Ten Championship, which I did not know, is if there's a three-way tie in the Big Ten East. So if we go 11-1, and one, Ohio State goes 11-1, and one, Michigan goes 11-1. and one. So Michigan's already lost once. So they have to be Ohio Michigan State. State. Or Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Or Michigan State goes 11 and 1. If any three teams go 11 and 1, the way that they do the tiebreakers, there's like five different tiebreakers. So the head to head wouldn't matter because there's a three way tie. Because right now, if we tie with Ohio go, State. Go to point differential next? I don't. Yeah, maybe. There's there's like two or three. You get down to the fifth tiebreaker and it's uh, conference, like conference strength of wins in the opposite division. So we would potentially beat Wisconsin and Iowa. Arguably the two top teams Not in the West. D. The two top teams in the West. I'm just saying things happen. Um, so we would beat those two. Michigan and Ohio State or whoever our tie would be with, um, one of them doesn't play. I don't, read the article. I'll link it somehow. Okay. But they don't play those teams, and one of them only plays one of them. So if we were to happen to have a three-way tie, we would have that tiebreaker and okay. potentially get into the Big Ten Championship. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. Don't get your hopes up. What I do think it happened is, like you said, we go eleven and one. Well, I mean, that's not our only loss. Totally unrealistic. No, it's because not. all it requires is Ohio State losing one game, and chances are whoever beats Ohio State, I'm like, no, no, because then we well, would, yeah, we they would have to not play them. Well, no, it, it could happen because if Michigan beats Ohio State, and they and went we, out completely, but then if we beat Michigan, they have two. Losses. Oh, you're right. Fuck. Uh, but only one loss in the Big Ten. No, but two losses would would do it. Um, someone Michigan else would State have to. Already has a loss. I don't know. I'll link the article. It was really, really interesting. But the other point is... No, I, I think it, it would still be a three-way tie because it would be... It, it, it's the in-conference schedule that counts, right? I think that's like a tiebreaker if you have the same overall record. Really? I don't know. I'll, I'll link the article. Um, the other part is we go 11-1 and one with a really, really impressive loss, if that's a word, if you want to call it that. Um, according, a really excusable loss. Yeah. According to ESPN, like, stats predictor... If we win out, we would have a 53% chance to get into the playoff. Yeah. Hey, I'll take that rather than not. You'd so, have to have like Georgia or Alabama lose two games. It was the only problem there. No, not necessarily. Not I, necessarily, but most likely mm-hmm. because if there's going to be a one-loss team that didn't win their uh, yeah. conference championship get into the playoff, you know the committee is going to take Georgia or Alabama over us. Right, but here's the thing. One of them is not going to win the SEC championship because they're both in the SEC, right? That, but that's what I'm saying. Okay, got it, got it. Um, some of the things that they noted in that article to look out for, Notre Dame kind of has to lose, right? They're, and unfortunately, they look like they could go undefeated, which would suck um, because, number one, undefeated, they're going to put them in. Number two, independent. So that takes away a spot from a conference, so to say. You know what I mean? Um, so that would suck. We need them to lose. Uh, UCF, if they go undefeated again this year, they went undefeated last year. Like hard to hold them out twice. Yeah, um, you want to see them lose. Um, so yeah, there's there's teams that you need to see lose. But again, if we go eleven and one, with this being our only loss, and let's not just go eleven and one. Let's fucking dominate people. Like yeah, if we if we get big wins against Michigan and Wisconsin, it, you're like, going to be in the conversation. It, it, they don't even have to be big. If they're more than one score, mm-hmm. that's pretty big. I I, I think. 
if we do that, we're in the conversation. And at this point, that's all you can ask for is to be in a conversation. So that's that. Um, if you're a Penn State fan and listening to this, which you probably are, because I don't know why you would listen all the way through if you're not, it's not over. This sucks. Be mad. Be angry. Be pissed off at Franklin if you want. That's fine. But do not turn your back on this program. Do not say that he's not the guy. Do not say that we suck because we didn't win that game. It, it sucks that we didn't win that game. But we'll be okay. Yeah. We'll be okay. And uh, I, I've got a, another – I put out a challenge to the students last week to show up, and they did a great job. They did. I've got a challenge to the students again this week. For the rest of the season, you see a wide receiver on campus, just yell, think fast, and start <laughs> running. All right? So I, think this is the, I, I, I think that's how we, we stop the drops. I, I, yell out their name. Hey, Juwan, think fast. And throw <laughs> something don't throw it at their head because we don't want any injuries. Right. But, now, does it have to be a football or just anything? No, anything that won't yeah. hurt them. All right. And, and I'm laughing, one, because it's a fantastic idea. Two, I'm just visualizing it in my head, like, walking past. I want the like, entire campus to be doing this. Some, and um, could you imagine that would go viral? Somebody just runs into 100 Thomas. Hey, DeAndre, think fast. Throws, like, a watermelon. Exactly. <laughs> I Not a watermelon. This, this is what I want. Guys. Man. Tell me. It's the, it's the only way, I think. That's good. The only surefire way to stop the drops this season <laughs> is just start throwing stuff at our wide receivers. And with that, we will leave you. Um, it, it's a sad episode, but like I said, we're, we're keeping our heads up. Um, a lot more to come for, for this season and beyond. Like, don't, don't be a Debbie Downer. Get excited. Check us out on social media at No Names All Game, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we're going to start trying to get some good video content out for you guys. Let us know what you want to see. Um, we love doing this podcast. We really enjoy talking about it. But let us know what you want to see, um, and, and we'll do it. So, Pat, any last words? Um, you know, I love this team. I still love this coach. Let's get it done this season, boys. Hell yeah, we are.